0: Well, this is the season for gift giving, isn't it? We have all experienced the joy both of giving and of getting gifts, but many people don't really appreciate the greatness of the many gifts that God gives us not only of health and strength, loving relationships, and other benefits of life, but gifts of eternal value forgiveness, peace with God, peace with ourselves, a relationship with God, a home in heaven, enjoyment of the Savior, eternal security to name a few. But do you know that all of these gifts are wrapped up in one gift, really? Jesus Christ. If you have him, you have everything now and forever. In today's broadcast, speaker Marvin Dirksen talks about the greatest gift ever. He talks about the enormous cost of the gift, its contents, the reason the gift was given, the revelation of the gift, and the ultimate reception of the gift. Yes, the riches of God, at Christ's expense. We trust that you will enjoy thinking about the gift that God has just for you.
1: John chapter 3 and verse number 16 it says, For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A second verse on in our Bible, the book of Romans chapter 6. And it's the very last verse of that chapter, Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23, where it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. Notice, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Keep going in your Bible to Second Corinthians chapter 9. Again, the very last verse of the chapter, verse number 15, where Paul is writing to the believers in Corinth. And he just says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Can't describe, but it's so great. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable, indescribable gift. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Notice, it is the gift of God. It's not of works. It's not by what we do, lest any man should boast. Trust you understand that we've been reading about the gift of God. Now, I'm well aware that the perception of a giving God is not not usually accepted. Most people think of the God of heaven as very demanding, as hard to please, as a dictator, as a a despot, always wanting more, but never, never really satisfied. But you know, what we've read tonight is just the opposite. And that's why I'm thrilled to be able to tell you that God wants you to understand that there has been a tremendous gift given. And you are the objects of the offer. You know, this time of year is a time when gift giving comes into full view. It's a time when our credit cards are maxed out. When a lot of merchants, a lot of stores, either make it or break it on Christmas sales. If you're anything like myself, sometimes it's a chore to know exactly what to buy. Gift giving is not always easy because most of us have everything we need. We don't need too much more. But I can still recall the excitement as a young person, the excitement of Christmas Day, of opening up presents, and sometimes there was a real excitement and and great discovery. Sometimes maybe what I'd asked for wasn't there, but it was a great time when gifts were opened. I think we can appreciate the fact that many times a lot of these gifts that are opened up are soon broken and discarded. And the thrill of Christmas morning is is soon forgotten when we move on to other things. And so I'd like to speak tonight about the greatest gift, the greatest gift ever given. This gift has impacted millions of people. And it's not just for time, but it's for all eternity. I want to just give you some of the features of this gift, because we need to know the reality of the gift. What's included? What really comprises the riches of this gift? Let me tell you, first of all, about the choice of the giver. Who is the gift directed to? Well, we have read that very wonderful verse in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loved this world. That wasn't the physical world, although well, that was heaven's focus. That was the world of humanity, the world of people. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And yet the Bible says that when the Lord Jesus Christ came, it says he was in the world and the world was made by him. Amazing. And the world of people didn't recognize him, knew him not. He came unto his own things and his own people, received him not. Sadly, from the get-go, he was despised and rejected of man. But my dear friend, that did not deter the choice of the giver in sending his son as the gift of God. But what about the cost? What about the cost of this gift? That's always the bottom line, isn't it? We go shopping and we look at the price tag. And it's either too much or we can handle it. So what did it cost God to send this gift? Well, I think we appreciate that when God made the world, it cost him his word and it cost him his breath. The mighty creator said, let there be light. And there was light. And then as he formed the image of a man from the clay of this world, the Bible says, God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. It cost God his breath and his words to make this world a creation. But you see, when it came to salvation, it cost God his own beloved son. A greater price, a greater cost could not be paid. And yet he came. And wonderfully in Isaiah chapter 50, verse number six, we understand that he was willing to give his back to the smiters and his cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. He hid not his face from shame and spitting. That was the cost of identifying with us That was the cost of coming alongside of us. That was the cost of bearing our hatred and our animosity. He stood in the very midst, and men moved against him. They plowed with a whip upon his back. They spit into his face. They ripped the beard from his cheeks. It says, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. But My dear friend, the cost went even beyond that. Because there at the cross of Calvary, soldiers took some nails and pierced his hands, and his feet. And it was there that the tremendous cost that we might experience the gift of God was paid in full. What a gift. What a tremendous reality. But I need to tell you about the contents, the contents of this gift. Because the contents of this gift are wonderful to experience. We have read in Romans chapter 6 that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what that means? You know what that includes? That includes forgiveness. That includes peace with God. That includes a relationship with him. That includes a home in heaven. And that includes the enjoyment of the Savior. The gift of God is eternal life. It's all through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But there's something more of the contents of this gift. The Lord Jesus could say in John chapter 14, verse number 27, My peace I leave with you. And the gift of God involves peace within. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I am thankful tonight to be able to tell you that for almost 50 years now, almost 50 years, I have enjoyed the tremendous blessing of peace with God because my sins have been forgiven. But there's more. You see, this gift involves a security, eternal security. And he could say in John chapter 10, I give unto my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. What a salvation it is. Not here one day and gone the next. No, it's not a matter of us trying to hold on to him. No, he says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And the gift of God involves the giving of his word. I have given them thy word. But there's one more thing that I want you to notice, and it's actually the verse behind me. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Notice, and I will give you rest. Rest. Rest from the burdens of our guilt. Rest from the fear of the future. He says, you come to me, just as you are, burdened, downcast, broken, sinners. And he says, I will give you rest. You see, my dear friend, that is the reality. And that's the riches that are involved with this gift and a greater gift has never been given. But let me tell you about the reason for the gift. You know, when we give gifts, Christmas time, birthday times, anniversaries, there is a reason. Many times we give gifts because we love the individual. We love our wives. We love our husbands. We love our children. We love our grandchildren. And so we will convey that love, that affection, by giving them some gifts. Sometimes gifts are given to recognize and to honor people for their service, for their accomplishments for being an employee of a firm for 40 years. And so we would present them with gifts in recognition of service. Well done. But you know, when I come to the reason for this gift, I'm amazed because I can't find a reason why God would even want to give us a gift. What had we done that we would merit a gift like this? Could I tell you tonight that we were bankrupt and we are bankrupt because of our sins? Our sins have separated us from God. Our sins have put us at a distance from God. And there's nothing that we can actually give to God that will satisfy him. And so we have nothing to give to God. But the kindness of God and the mercy of God has moved toward us. And the only reason why he would ever give this gift is because he loves us. That's an amazing truth. I can't understand it. Why God would ever love me? And why God would ever love you? But my dear friend, this is a fact that stands. This is the fact of the eternal word of God, that God loves us and sent his son to be the savior of the world. You know, sadly, a lot of people are trying to give God something to appease him. They're trying to give God something to take away some of their sins, to try and even the balance. But you see, we don't have the currency of heaven. The Bible says that without a sacrifice, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so we're not forgiven on the basis of what we do. We're not forgiven on the basis of of what we might merit or what we might produce for God. No, salvation has come through the precious blood of Christ. And tonight, the reason for the gift is because of the very heart of God, that God loves sinners, that God loved this world of humanity. And out of the depths of his love for us, he willingly gave his son. And because of the love of the Savior, he came and he willingly went to the cross And there's many of us that are able to say, the Son of God loved me, and he gave himself for me. That's the reason for the gift. But let me tell you tonight about the readiness, the readiness of the giver. Is God a reluctant giver? I've already suggested that many times we think that we've got to beg and try and twist God's arm to get something from him. My dear friend, there couldn't be anything that's further from the truth. Because the God of the Bible, and the God that we're speaking on behalf of tonight, is a God that delights, delights to give. He's not stingy. He's not tight. He's not reluctant. He's a liberal giver. You know, as I read James chapter 1, verse number 5, it says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. You know what that means? God is a liberal giver. When someone comes asking for wisdom, looking for answers, God does not kind of roll his eyes, figuratively speaking, and say, I wish you wouldn't come back so often. I'm tired of your coming. No, he doesn't upbraid us. He welcomes us. He desires that we would come because he is a liberal giver. I hope you understand that tonight. But his giving has been on the basis of a willingness, a freedom to give. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 32, there are thrilling words where it says, He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He didn't spare his son. All that was required justly because of our sin was placed upon Christ, and he suffered for our sins fully and totally and righteously. But because God didn't spare his son but delivered him up for us all, now God can turn around and he could extend the greatness of his riches to us freely without any price tag. There's no fine print. No, no. he wants us to enjoy his gift and is given freely. He's given on the basis of what his son has accomplished. But there's one more thing. He gives us richly all things, richly. And First Timothy chapter 6, verse number 17 is really a word of warning, a word of instruction. Where Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, Now, don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. A lot of people are trusting in their material riches for satisfaction. They're trusting in their bank account for security for old age. They think that everything is watertight, but the Bible says don't trust in uncertain riches here today and gone tomorrow, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, God is not promising us a six-figure salary He's not promising us that we'll be able to move to the best part of town and drive the biggest car. No, but you see, the riches that he offers and that he provides in this gift are eternal in nature. They're spiritual, and they're designed, and they will satisfy your soul forever. I'm so glad that there was a day when I came into the riches that are found in Christ alone. You know, Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 is a very wonderful truth. Where Paul is writing and he says, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich and he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. Why was that? Just so that you through his poverty might be made rich. And that verse staggers me. It bows me with worship because, you see, I can't comprehend how rich he was and I can't comprehend how poor he became. I do know this as one instance. That the Lord Jesus said, the foxes, they have their holes, and the birds have their nests. The Son of Man has not where to lay his head. Never owned a home. Never had a place he was called his own. Some have said he was the homeless stranger. Yes, he became poor. So much so that at the cross, there were those that gambled for his clothing. And it was there that he looked for someone to take pity, and there was none, and for comforters, and he couldn't find anybody. He was forsaken. He was abandoned. And then he turned heavenward, and the heavens were brass. Because you see, in the darkness, he was suffering for our sins. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He became poor so that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. I wonder, have you ever, ever accepted this gift? Because I want to tell you about the the revelation of the gift. What does it involve? Because you see, that what we have read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, are the words of Paul, and to me, he's going through the dictionary to try and find adequate words. He says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. I can't describe it. It's too wonderful. It's too great. But thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Let me tell you that that unspeakable gift involves the eternal Son of God. You know, when we think of the mighty creator himself, we're made aware that when it comes to the majesty of Christmas, they actually became a man. We're pretty small, aren't we? We're really small. And yet the mighty God, the mighty creator himself, stepped into his own creation and he became a man. A man to identify with us that we might understand who he is, that we might feel the heartbeat of God. He became a man. But there's something else he became. He became a resident. He wasn't here for a couple of weeks, and then off he goes. No, the Bible says he tabernacled among us. If I could just put it very simply, he pitched his tent in our backyard. Didn't live at a distance from us. Didn't stay separated from us. No, he identified with people. He worked for almost 30 years, or at least until he was 30, in a carpenter's shop. He identified with people, regardless of what class it was. The brokenhearted, those that were moral outcasts. He dealt with tax collectors that were hated. He spoke to religious people. It didn't matter who they were, whether it was mothers or children or whatever. He identified with people. He became a resident. But oh, I need to tell you that he became a servant. A servant. It's amazing to see in the final hours before he went to the cross that the Lord Jesus spent those hours with his disciples. And in the midst of that Passover feast, he got up from supper. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel and tied it around his waist, and he took a basin of water, and he stooped down to wash his disciples' feet. Now, I understand that no Jew, no Jew was ever, ever expected or required to wash the feet of another Jew. That was not protocol. That was not what was to be done. And yet here is the Lord of life and glory stooping down to wash the feet of his disciples. He became a servant already refer to the fact that he became poor. But of, oh my dear friend, I need to tell you that this unspeakable gift involves the suffering of the cross. He became the sin bearer. He answered to every charge that was against us. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body upon the tree and there at the cross alone in the darkness. He suffered for sins that we might have the great blessing of knowing and experiencing the gift of God was his eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the reality of the gift. That's the revelation of the gift. It's all seen in the Lord Jesus. And as the Bible says, whoever has the Son has life. Jesus himself could say, I am that They might have life. They might have it more abundantly. Now, he wasn't talking about physical life because he was talking to people that were very much alive. No, he was talking about spiritual life about a relationship with him. I am come that they might have life as God intended it to be and that they might have it more abundantly. So let me ask you, have you ever received the gift? Because I just like to speak about the reception of the gift, the reception of the gift. You see, the gift has been provided. It's there for the taking. God wants you to have it. And God is no respecter of persons. You might say, well, uh, I'm just too bad for the gift. No, not at all. You might be too proud and too religious to receive the gift, but the gift is now being offered. And the Bible says, as many as receive him, to them he gives the power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see, the offer is out, and you're in view. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to tell you tonight that what you do with this gift And what you do with this Savior will determine where you will be forever. For those that receive Christ, there's heaven. There's the unending enjoyment of a relationship with him, both here, starting in life, and for all eternity. But for those that refuse to accept the gift, for those that try to come to God on their own terms, on their own basis, on what they are and what they've done, for those that reject the gift, pass it by, never receive Christ as Savior, They'll be lost in hell forever. Oh, you say, that's pretty straight. My friend, that's the way it is. That what you do with the gift of God, what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ, will determine where you will be forever. Let me ask you tonight, have you received the gift? Have you received Christ? Because the greatest gift that was ever given was the gift of a Savior. And the greatest giver was the very heart of God himself. And I trust tonight that you will acknowledge your need. And with humility, with brokenness, with an understanding of your guilt and need, you will come as a helpless sinner and take the gift and thank the giver. May you do so tonight.
0: You know, God's gift is the greatest gift imaginable. But it is meaningless if you never take it. During this Christmas season, did you understand what God is trying to give you? Did you receive it? It's there for the taking. Those who miss Christ and end up in a lost eternity will never have a word to speak in their own defense. They will never be able to say that they couldn't be saved or that salvation was not for them. No, the gift has been provided for all. We hope that you will be wise and reach out and accept the free gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life that God is offering to you today. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website,